Welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby as we continue Life After Downton. This week we will be discussing the new fall shows on HBO, all of which are created or co-created by a woman, which is astounding. And we'll also be checking in, as always, with some fabulous things. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon in Oakland. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's super exciting. I mean, HBO has notoriously been very much a sausage fest. So Mm -hmm. it's really exciting to have Westworld, co-created by a woman, Insecure, created by a black woman, and Divorce, also created by a woman. Yeah, as well as uh, High Maintenance, co-created by a woman, which is not on the Sunday night lineup, but did just wrap up its first short six-episode uh, series on HBO. I, I thought it was great. So I don't think we're going to talk much about that one, but just in general, like, wow, four out of four shows with a woman in one of those co-executive producer roles. Pretty cool. And three of them are in the all-important Sunday night spot. So that's prime real estate for these shows. Oh, look at HBO growing up and getting with the times. Welcome, HBO, (laughs) to the modern age. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they still don't have any female directors for the next season of Game of Thrones, but, you know, baby steps. (laughs) Oh, that's a a lot to ask. (laughs) I know, but Michelle McLaren is directing one episode of Westworld, so at least least it's somewhere in there. Um, So let's talk about Westworld. I fucking love it. I love it. I loved Lost, and I just feel like this is the new Lost. And, and it's I'm a Western it Lost. I know how you feel about Westerns. I love Westerns. I love, I know you guys don't love all the woo-woo mystical stuff. I love it. I love the maze. And, you know, I just, I know we're going to dig into um, the interesting perspectives on violence of women, but I just feel like it feels so fresh in a way that Mr. Robot felt really fresh last year of like, whoa, visually, I haven't seen a show like this. This show feels like, okay, it's not just a family drama. There's a lot of violence. It's like, yeah, let's get into like a more, like a deeper narrative that has mythology in it. And that's what I like about it. I have really been liking watching these episodes. I feel like it's a really rich and interesting show. But I... Oh, sorry, Shannon. I didn't really like Lost. And I didn't like the whole... <laughs> I, I apologize, because I know how much that show means to you. It's okay. It's okay. We're I allowed feel... to disagree. <laughs> no. If you don't like my nerdy show, it's fine. Look, I, I love nerdy shows. I love science fiction. I love fantasy. I love all of that. I just... I'm so uncomfortable with this idea that there is this like central mystery and everything has to revolve around solving this central mystery and I can't just sit back and enjoy the drama of the show and the characters because I know underneath it all there's going to be some quest for some larger thing so if we didn't have the maze as part of the storyline would you like the show oh I do like the show I like the show very much I would like the show better without the maze yes okay I I would and I would like the show better without the man in black the thing I don't like about this show right now is the man in black. Sorry, Ed Harris. I think you're a great actor. There's just something about that storyline that's just like, really? Do we really need this? Am I going to be worried for the next two seasons about how they're ever going to wrap up this storyline and make it make sense? It's like you have anxiety that it's not going to pay off into a satisfying narrative. 
Right. It's a big investment mm-hmm. of my energy, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, I and see I don't that. know if it's going to pay off. So I'm I'm falling in the middle here, you know, if we're if we're doing the great lost comparison. Uh, you know, Shannon and I both absolutely love the show and yet we probably have argued about why we love it more than like we're on different sides of why we loved it. Yeah, it's funny that I hated how Lost ended, yet I still love it and I love that this is trying to do the same yeah. grand scale storytelling. It's like I just am hopeful every time. You're setting yourself <laughs> up for another disappointment here. The maze is going to pay off, damn it. Yeah. I will say that the May stuff worries me just because, yeah, it feels unnecessary, I guess. Like, I'm interested in this world regardless, and I'm interested in the emotions um, and reactions of both the hosts and the workers already without this sort of, like, and what's Crazy Anthony Hopkins doing? And what is Ed (laughs) Harris doing? And also, I love Ed Harris as an actor, and I feel like I would rather watch him be, like, interacting with Tandy Newton than out doing his own thing. So I'm waiting for some threads to come together, and I'm trying to have hope. You know, we are only four episodes in as we're having this conversation, but it feels like a lot of threads so far, and I'm just kind of hoping that they all do have some focus that's going to come together. Well, the fact that they delayed the show coming out because they went back to the writer's room and rewrote a lot of this first season gives me hope that there is a real reason. No, I'm really fascinated by the show and I can't wait for each episode to come out and I'm reading the recaps and I'm very down deep in the weird fan sites and... (laughs) Um, Westworld actually has its own, um, site, uh, called, um, discoverwestworld.com. <laughs> if you go to that site, you can book a trip to Westworld and you can read all these kind of fascinating, uh, terms of service of Westworld, which uh, gives you lots of interesting information. Apparently, if you register, they'll give you a questionnaire to answer before you can book your trip. There is like another website that's like Westworld Backend that has like story builder templates in the narrative department. So you can see like Dolores's storyline. It's crazy geeky. And I I may have to <laughs> take a week off. And do these sites, which do remind me again of like Lost or like Battlestar Galactica, like these bigger worlds that have been created online. Do they say anything about what the world of the show is outside what we've seen on the show? Because right. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Are, are these the only robots like this? You know, because I think I was laughing at a tweet from James Pony Wozak saying, like, I don't think this would be my first use of this technology <laughs> would be just making this theme park. And also, are there other theme parks? Because, like, I think, like, a medieval one would be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, are they even on Earth? Well, there are so many questions like that. I think they are on Earth because they talk about Orion in terms of the Earth vantage point of Orion. But who knows? And are all the stories we're seeing in the same time frame? There's like some fan speculation already that like the William storyline, he's like the nice guy that's really into Dolores, Mm -hmm. could be the man in black when he was young. Like things like that. that Right? So. Yeah, right. I gotta so watch it's all my of these episodes spin. again. <laughs> I, I have a, I feel like I'm very distracted during the Williams storylines by the fact that I'm vaguely sexually attractive to one of the McPoyle brothers from my son <laughs> <sunny laughs> in Philadelphia. 
which is just I like know, what's happening. It's really weird to see the McFoyle brother in this show. <laughs> We've been laughing about it too. It's like McFoyle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that's fascinating as well. And then there's just smaller things that I want to know, like when they talk about restarting storylines, I'm like, how is that working? Like, because some guests are probably going to be on, you know, a 10 day arc and other, others are on a five day arc. So like, when does Maeve reset if she's met different guests who are on different timelines? Like, and maybe these are just nerd details that are never really going to get answered, but that's the kind of stuff where you're like... You know, where people ask, you know, J.K. Rowling about Sirius's great-great-great-great-grandfather. Like, I'm already <laughs> having those kind of questions about Westworld and just the mechanics. Brandy, those nerd sites already exist asking those questions. Well, that's what I said. That's what I started out saying is, like, I didn't know that this, this nerd world existed until you just said it. And now I'm like, do I have to do a deep dive? Do I have time for yeah. this? Like one fascinating thing I learned reading the terms of service is that the maximum stay is 28 days. Oh, that is interesting because we've been wondering how long are they there? Right. For 40 grand a day. The other other interesting thing I learned is all the animals are hosts except the flies. I kind (laughs) of speculated that. (laughs) That's why Dolores would never hurt a living thing, right? And then she slaps a fly. Ooh. Yes. Right? So some of that is very cool, You learning these things and then thinking back on the storyline that when she slaps that fly on her face, that's its very important moment. Very important moment. I just love her. I love Evan Rachel Wood. This is really like giving me flashbacks to when she showed up on True Blood and was the best thing on that show for a whole season. Like, she's just fantastic. I mean, the whole cast is really good. Yeah, let's go through the characters. Let's talk about Dolores. And, you know, she's really set up in the beginning as a victim. You know, we see the man in black raping her after her family is killed. And then, but she's building this consciousness and she's rebelling. And, you know, how do you guys feel like this character is being depicted? I'm very fascinated so far. I think it was really smart storytelling to reveal that her main love interest is also a host. Mm Mm-hmm. There's something about that is very compelling to me in both of their narratives. And then uh, on this last episode, episode four, when she started being able to kind of modify her own scripts, and this was fascinating to Bernard, uh, maybe not quite alarming to him yet, but definitely fascinating. Um, those kinds of small moments feel so significant, and I just think they're really well written and well played. Yeah, you know, I think she started modifying it in episode three when she shot the gun. Right. You know, she's going against what's programmed. And, Therese, what gives me hope about the man in black is I actually think his main adversary is going to be Dolores. Interesting. And I think I think that that is going to be the person that can stop him. We see her growing in power. She starts off as a victim of him. She's putting the pieces together. She has access to knowledge that he doesn't because she's accessing memories from past storylines, including this white church. What does that mean? So whatever this maze is, and she's now, you know, being put on this path of the maze, she may get there faster and she may be the only one that I think can stop him. I just, I'm just considering the maze a red herring at this point. Um, that's just distracting me from other things. So setting aside the maze, I do really like, I do really like Dolores a lot. I'm really interested in the relationship between her and Bernard. 
Um, mm-hmm. And what the deal is with him and his dead son and how that sort of works its way through Dolores. Um, mm-hmm. I saw some pre- a preview for next week and Dolores is wearing slacks. I was excited by it. I yeah. also felt really excited about Yeah. That. Not since Mary rode astride a horse. <laughs> I've been so excited <laughs> about a woman in slacks. Well, it's very rare that you get to see a character, a female character, really get to gain agency and to see people trying to enact violence on on her and she stops it. You know, and she's growing stronger with each episode. And I think that's what's so exciting. I think it's also interesting to, like, contrast that with Maeve, who's getting more of, like, an intellectual kind of agency. So I just, I love her storyline, too. Brandy, I I know in the agenda you were writing about how exciting that scene was where she's cutting the bullet out of her body and realizes that no matter what happens, nothing will happen to her. Uh, That... Sort of oh yeah, crazy and then start making out with a dude while his blood's all over you. Like you know, I love that kind of. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> that was really, really hot. Yeah, and I also love the scene where Maeve does the drawing of those, you know, creature mm-hmm. things. Opens up the floorboard to hide it and finds like half a dozen more that she's already done. Oh yeah, it's like full on memento. Yeah, exactly, total memento thing. Uh, but it was great. It was done really well. And I mean, Tandy Newton's a great actress, but um, that kind of stuff I love. Like I, I, I this is why I'm loving the individual characters so much yeah. because of their own little narratives. Well, I think they're doing a really good job of taking a spin on some stuff we've seen before. Like, I feel like we're really delving into the alien abduction fears. You know, she's feeling Mm -hmm. like she was abducted by aliens. She's drawing this alien, you know. And then we also have some really great body horror stuff that I feel like I haven't seen in so long. And they're just doing it so well. And, yeah, I think Maeve's storyline is probably my favorite. And yeah, yeah, she's just intellectually putting it together. She's almost like the philosopher and the poet, whereas like Dolores is becoming more of a woman of action. So we have these two main female characters who are sort of gaining their agency and self-awareness. And I'm trying to think if there are any of the male hosts that are doing that. I have hopes for Teddy, but he is caught up in this like search for Wyatt. That's I'm like, I don't get it. Who's he going to be? Like, why is Anthony Hopkins putting this story together? I know we're not supposed to know yet, but it's the same thing. You know, the way that this is going to tie in with whatever the man in black wants. Did he know that this storyline was going to go on before he booked his final vacation or whatever? It's just, we'll see. I'm glad that they've run into a badass lady out there. But then again, it's like, if the man in black knows that no matter what he does, he's not going to really hurt anyone, what are the stakes? But what's interesting is now Maeve knows she'll never really die. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a flip side to that. That now Dolores and Maeve know I've lived this again and again and again. They have a different type of immortality. I guess I just see that Man in Black is fundamentally boring because his sadism doesn't mean anything. You know, I mean, we know that it kind of does to these characters, right? But he doesn't know that. He thinks he's really just playing chess. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting when that guy said, you know, your foundation saved my sister's life. I mean, I think it's more interesting and kind of what is the underlying, you know, question of the whole 
show is why are mostly men drawn to this world to commit these acts? Like, what is Mm -hmm. it in them? What release are they looking for? And that's where I feel like this show is taking a really interesting perspective on violence against women and just violence in general. It's really looking at why. Why do you create this huge world with hundreds of robots that you can fuck and maim? Like, what is that? And I think we're going to get a really interesting answer throughout the story how is that not just an extension of grand theft auto (laughs) you know or or anything you know just more more realistic i think it is an extension of that right i think that's where the idea started and then they were like okay well how can we make it more extreme how can we make it more hbo I mean, to be fair, Michael Crichton did come up with this before Grand Theft Auto was a I thing. Know, I know. He did. I'm All to Michael Crichton. Although, you know, I looked at I looked at a bit of the original Westworld movie, and the um, prostitutes are much more scantily dressed and have much more serious, like Playboy level boobage. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the actual like gaze of the show because I think we have we disagree a little bit. To me, I have not had an issue with it at all so far, and I honestly find the way that the hosts are um, framed in shots when they're back at the lab or whatever to be like surprisingly not male gazy. Me too. For HBO, it does feel clinical and it does also feel artistic. But it doesn't feel exploitative at all of, like, the actors' bodies, which is extremely refreshing to me. I agree. I I don't disagree with that. I think it was the very first episode that kind of got me off on the wrong foot with that. Because I'm just, like, braced for, like, okay, what's HBO going to do now? The scenes of the male technicians basically tinkering at very close quarters with these naked women made me feel uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I just felt uncomfortable with it because I just didn't know where the show was going and I didn't have the trust in the show. And I can understand that. And yet I I felt more struck by the scenes of Abernathy in the first episode. Me too. Um, and they don't they don't show um, his penis or anything, but the he felt very exposed in a way that the the female characters didn't feel to me during those scenes. Uh, which I thought was super interesting. Hmm. I actually felt the same way too. And I was like, is it because we never see older men's chests? You know, (laughs) like they're always wearing shirts or they're in a hospital bed or something. So it did feel very naked and exposed. And it really made that scene even stronger. And yeah, I agree. It's a lot of naked bodies. But then as you get to it, you just see like, oh, they're just, they treat them as things and not bodies. And I think it's kind of, it's fucking with your mind in that way. You know, because you're seeing it as a person, but they're talking about it as a thing. And like, you know, it's just like how I feel like the way that Dolores and Maeve are growing consciousness of, you know, these violent deeds have violent ends. They're realizing they've been sucked into this world where they didn't even realize how many people were abusing them. And now they're waking up to that just very much like as women, the older you get, you realize, you know what, that's really messed up that that guy's asking me to smile or, you know, all these different little abuses that lead to like, you know, a yeah. misogyny and patriarchy and all that crap. So, or even the, the trauma, I mean, this show to me is just all about trauma, you know, the trauma mm-hmm. that you grow up with over and over and over again and aren't allowed to call what it is. 
and all of You're these right. memories that are coming up and all of these things that you're being told is your imagination and it didn't really happen and don't worry about it and go to sleep. Um, that to me is incredibly mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. I mean, I can't count the number of times in a day when I go over something I remember and like doubt myself of whether my perspective mm-hmm. on it was true. And part of that is like, normal human thinking that you should be aware that other people's perspectives on something are not necessarily yours. And part of that is just being a woman and like, you're not allowed to just like trust what you thought about an experience that happened. Yeah. Uh, That's why I think this show is so innovative and it's just really looking at the psychological effects of violence and trauma in a way that is just totally unique. And it doesn't feel heavy-handed, and I think it's really easy to to talk about these issues in a heavy-handed way through storytelling. And it's just subtle and very unique. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Sci-fi storylines, I think you were um, really smart to pick up on a sort of alien kind of narrative there. Like body horror stuff is really good at delving into this stuff without hitting over the head with it super useful genres but then in the context of all that that it's doing well what's interesting to consider is uh the female characters on the worker side of it that i feel like are not fleshed out so far right our only player who's a, a somewhat in a power position Teresa sid sababit newtson's character obviously we love her from borgen I mean, she seems to have not much to do at this point except for, you know, listen to Anthony Hopkins or Jeffrey Wright monologue. So I'm wondering, what does a character on the outside of this world, what what do women's roles look like on the outside of this microcosm, but still within the world of the show, Westworld? And of course, her and Elsie are the two women's staff, and both are being questioned and aren't allowed to do what they want to do. They still have to play within the men's rules. So it's interesting that the, actually the female hosts seem to have more agency <laughs> than the female yeah. live human staff. Yeah, I have definitely noticed that. and But I can't even tell if it's really intentional or if that's just how female characters are written and you can only ask for so much from one show. <laughs> right. So we'll see. I would really like to know more about the Teresa character, not just because no one has ever named Teresa on TV shows. <laughs> so I'm excited. No, but she's such a great actress, and I really want her to be used i i was actually thinking mm-hmm. that she would have been really cool as the madam of the saloon you know this sort of yeah. older authoritative woman oh they could switch roles for sure yeah Candy newton would also be great as like corporate bitch so for sure right? they could have switched if they I, wanted I to think they, yeah. they could have done it either way and um so right now she's just sort of you know cast as the middle-aged bitch which you know, mm-hmm. I just, I really hope there's more to it than that, because she, she's great. She's a great actress, and I'm really thrilled that she's in this sort of, like, marquee show. But I really think with the scene, you know, at the table on the veranda in the last episode, I think they're starting to build what is her backstory, what is her motivation, and I think we're going to start seeing layers underneath that, yeah, cold bitch facade. I hope yeah. so. I hope so, and I hope we see more of Bernard as well, because... I just don't know why you would cast Gina Torres as his ex-wife, presumably, if you weren't going to use her more because she is just she's Gina Torres, and stunning and wonderful. She's Gina fucking Torres. So yeah. I really hope we're going to see more of that as well. 
Because it feels a little cheap to just throw in a dead kid if you're not going to, like, actually do something with it. <laughs> if right. you show a dead kid in the first act, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, be, to be fair, I think some of the other employees um, of the company are also a little bit stereotyped now. There's, like, the douche bro oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. narrative yeah. guy, Sizemore. The other Hemsworth. The other Hemsworth, yeah. the yeah, the other Hemsworth who isn't doing that much either. So I don't know. Maybe there are a lot of characters to wrangle. So uh, you know, they're they're maybe taking their time in developing everyone's storylines. There was one question that uh, Douche Bro Sizemore says, which I wanted to throw at you, and he asks, "Does anybody want the host to truly be more lifelike?" He says, hmm. do you want to think that your husband is really fucking that beautiful girl or that you really just shot someone? This place works because the guests know the hosts aren't real. I think that's one of the central questions. And, and timely considering, you know, we've been talking about the quote unquote uncanny valley for so many years now in storytelling and technology. And the, the question is, do we really want to get past it? I'm not so sure I do, but also, again, if there was medieval Westworld, I'd probably want to go fuck a knight. So, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, I, I just thought of the, the, brief, the brief time we get with the guest who's the woman. She's like this woman who's just shot up a bunch oh, of people. Oh, she's so great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she, she needs to come and back, the- and then she goes upstairs with one of the ladies. Yeah, that was great. With Clementine, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> who are you? Come back. More of that, more of the badass Calamity Jane style ladies, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I, I am, I'm definitely looking forward to more of the show because I feel like we are going to get more of all the things I want. And that's a good way to feel about a show four episodes in. Yeah. Absolutely. There's already so, so many layers to talk about. So, yeah, I think they've done a, a great job yeah. setting it up. I'm glad they took the extra year <laughs> to figure all that out, yeah. frankly. Yeah. I appreciate Maybe that. Maybe a tiny bit more humor. Just a tiny bit. But I always want a little more humor. I know, like, so many elements of this remind me of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. And I feel like... We need a comic relief character that doesn't exist in this world, but maybe maybe not. I don't know. We're kind of getting that with Lawrence, but I think you're right. It could use some humor, but I love the tone. I'm totally enthralled. Well, great. Do we want to move on to a show we love or a show we hate? Well, if we're loving Westworld, we might not totally be loving a show from someone we do love. Unfortunately, I feel a lot of mixed emotions about divorce how do you guys feel about it? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sums it up. Okay, that's all I got to say. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> okay, so the show the show is created by Sharon Horgan, who we absolutely adore from Catastrophe. Yes. Uh, and I just cannot understand how divorce could have come out of that same brain. Also, this is the show that called Sarah Jessica Parker back to TV. So many shows have tried to get her to come back to TV, and this is the one she chose. So I feel like there's got to be something good in there, but it's just so horrible to watch, and it's so not funny, and I don't know what they're trying to make me feel besides just awful. That's the thing. I don't know either. I don't know what Frances's personality is outside of the fact of her marriage and embarrassing herself in front of her kind of awful children. And I'm so confused by the fact that she wanted to divorce Robert and then just changed her mind. And there's nothing likable about him. There's nothing likable about him. 
Yeah, the whole thing is just, I yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. And that might be okay if it was really funny, but right. it doesn't even feel like it's trying to be a comedy half the time, except for when Molly Shannon shows up to be weird. And, <laughs> you know, I, I quite like Molly Shannon, but it she feels to like she's leaping in from another show when she shows up. Yeah, if it was I like it when the three friends are together. Me right. and Mona from Mad Men. Mona from I Mad like Men. it when they're together. If the show was about them their friendship, I'd be on board, but I do not want to be in this house in this crumbling marriage. I don't want I don't want to spend time there. Well, this show has set itself up to for for some difficulties because the show is about a couple who basically decide to get a divorce and you're going through all the deeply unpleasant things that have to do with that it's a hard show to pull off i mean you're watching these two fight and just be sort of mean to each other and 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 really sarah jessica parker's character is just i don't i don't know who she is she's just sort of running around if you're going to do a show about a couple getting divorced, I'm sorry, but you have to do a TV version of it. There has to be like, they're going to get a divorce, but then something else happens that draws them back together. I don't know. There has to be a hook other than the divorce. They have the divorce and then they inherit a restaurant. Like, I don't know. Like, it's gotta <laughs> and they be, have to work together like, to make yeah. it something. Like, there's got to be a twist that makes it into a show, because right now it's just a series of scenes of people having the same argument over and over, which is a, a little too close to real life. Like, I don't need to watch that. I already have the same argument over and over with people in my own life. Well, yeah, it's like that movie, The Breakup. I don't want to watch people break up over two hours. It's so boring. It's like, I was so excited when she was having that affair in the pilot, because I was like, oh, great, we'll get like a zany... You know, guy she's having an affair with. Well, then that ends. And it's like, oh, God, he had, he's the only one who made a joke in the whole pilot. When he was like, I can't even begin to eat pizza now. I was like, that's brilliant. That's it. That's the whole comedy. <laughs> have you seen episode three? I, have you either of you seen episode three? I did. Ugh. It's not. It, it's better, but. It's better. You know. Episode three is is a little better. In, in the sense that it has some structure and it's structured around their visits to the marriage counselor. And there are some really interesting, it, it started approaching Sharon Horgan-esque levels when he admits that he had this thing with this woman and he's caught in all of these lies. And I, I, I kind of liked all of that and it had that slightly more life. That scene... I do think was well written and yet the whole time I was watching it I was like I wonder how much better I would like this if Sharon Horgan was playing this role because I think she could make it funny maybe like maybe in her head when she's saying it in her voice it's funny right I bet I you know I love sex in the city I still go back and watch all those old episodes and Sarah Jessica Parker is really funny I just feel like there's nothing for her to work with here and I was so disappointed that she wanted to open a gallery. It was like, oh my I god! I was gonna say, <laughs> you're expecting me to like really like put all my emotion between put all my emotion behind a white lady who wants to open a gallery and apparently has had not had any other job or anything like that. Like, I just I just don't care about her gallery or anyone's gallery ever. In a town, by the way, in the Hudson Valley, which is like where all the white ladies go after they've moved to Brooklyn. I don't know. I also like Sarah Jessica Parker. I think of this is just like maybe just no no chemistry between 
the actors the and the, their roles and the actors in each other and just something is not working it's just a total failure and I just feel like after the pilot I was like who is the target audience oh it's those women who love to complain about how their husbands can't do the dishes right I hate those women <laughs> this is not for me <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say one nice thing about it, which you've already sort of mentioned, which is Talia Balsam, who plays her friend Dallas, who was also Mona, Roger's ex-wife. Yeah, she's the best part by far. I love when she's on screen. Yeah, she's she's really great. And as, as you said, you know, if the show centered more on these three women and dealing with the problems of their marriage yeah. or, you know, I think Dallas is single. Yeah. That would, to me, be a little bit more appealing yeah, I do think probably the funniest and most real moment of all three shows was when Sarah Jessica Parker thinks Molly Shannon's crying because of her husband, and really it's because she didn't tell her some secret. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, that's really, come on, that's pretty funny. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um, it has its moments, but overall, I can't believe they're selling this as a comedy. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, at least Transparent does make you laugh sometimes, but this is just really grim. I need every executive in Hollywood to just accept that half-hour drama is a thing so that we can just stop. <laughs> yeah. Just accept it, honestly. All right. Yeah, but I love the show The Affair, which is also about marriages breaking up, and it's way better than this. What's the difference, Shannon? Well, it's got the multiple perspectives, so you get the different characters' perspectives, and you see how they're lying and what they're hiding. There's also a murder. You <laughs> that's know, what we need as brandy said there's something else going on it's not just well, and also everyone in the affair is super sexy yeah there's <laughs> a lot of hot sex going on right <laughs> thomas hayden church's mustache is definitely a boner killer oh, oh, oh he was the worst casting i absolutely i usually like him I he just like doesn't him, work but... in this at all there's nothing like he's just he just puts her down all the time it's like there's nothing to like about him like, I just don't even... You know, know. who they should have cast? They should have cast Ron Livingston and had to be Carrie and Burger again. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't he be good in the role? That if Carrie and Burger had gotten married, this is yeah. where they would end up. <laughs> the Hudson Valley fighting. That's totally true. And he never wrote that book. I would watch that show. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Brilliant. Okay, Brandy figured out how to fix it. And also, okay, this is shallow, but Sarah Jessica Parker needs to wear lipstick. Well, I know how you feel about lipstick, so we'll take that criticism. Okay, off. thank you very much. Okay, well, speaking of lipstick. Oh, yeah. Lisa Ray's lipstick is always on point on the show that we do like, Insecure. Yes, I have been waiting for so many years for this show because I loved her web series, Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl. Which it's awesome how many of the cast are showing up in little roles in the show, which I just think is awesome. And Issa Rae, what a delight. Issa Rae is wonderful. And, you know, the show was co-created with Larry Wilmore, who's also wonderful. Yeah, it just sparkles and crackles and it's everything divorce isn't, frankly. It's got like really engaging characters and great interaction and... Um, God, it's just so much fun to watch. Even the rough stuff is fun to watch. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it didn't really come together for me until the third episode. I was kind of like, ooh, where are we going with some of the stuff? But the third episode, it was like, oh, I see what you're building here. And I feel like the tone really gelled. 
in the third episode, and I'm hooked, and I am just so excited. So Issa Rae plays this uh, woman, young woman, approaching 30 in L.A. also love that it's in L.A., by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, This woman in L.A. who has a live-in boyfriend who she keeps thinking she should break up with, but, you know, doesn't really... Um, and he's not bad, you know, he's okay. I, I like that the boyfriend has his own issues and problems and isn't just a stereotypical, you know, guy who sits on the couch all day. Yeah, I feel like this last episode really fleshed him out. And the scenes with the, the quick scenes with the how they move in the bed together and on the couch throughout the relationship were really stunning mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. you can feel so in love with someone and then feel so distant from them just really beautiful but mostly i just love her i love her rapping i love her rapping into the mirror (laughs) Mm -hmm. her raps are great (laughs) really good (laughs) some of them are terrible but that feels real too it's okay yeah i like the terrible one she's working it out in the mirror you know i mean even the things she does at the live mic i'm kind of cringing looking at it you know behind my fingers (laughs) like Broken Pussy, you know? It was great. Broken Pussy was great. <laughs> love it. But I love her, her best friend. I love that her best Molly. friend is, is presented as this really amazing power woman and then is slowly just kind of being deconstructed and falling apart. I mean, I don't love that, but I find it really interesting. Well, I don't feel like I've ever seen a character like her. Um, you know, that's a very successful, driven black woman you know i love in the last episode that she doesn't want to date that guy anymore because he didn't go to college Mm -hmm. and i just feel Mm -hmm. like i've never seen that on a show that is predominantly with black people and i think that's awesome it's like yeah let's let's widen this world (laughs) yeah i think i've read a couple articles that have um i think rightly so connected especially molly's character but also, Issa, back to Girlfriends, which is a show yeah. I've mentioned I really mm-hmm. liked back in the day. So it is nice to see the characters like that again, because I, I feel like they haven't been on TV since Girlfriends went off the air, or whatever that was, eight years ago or something. Where the focus is on a friendship uh, rather than on a marriage, like on Blackish or something like that. It's it's really fun to watch. And I think it's just, it, there's a universal something there about friends where one friend's jealous of the career and the other one's jealous of the other person's relationship and, like, you always want the thing that you don't have, uh, I think is very real and true. Absolutely. I think it's great how you can see why they love hanging out together, but you still see the little jealousies pop up and they just call each other out on their shit, which is just so refreshing. Without being frenemies, you know? Like, I feel like when you see that, it just goes into frenemy territory, and I'm so sick of that. And I just feel like this is like, I love you, but yeah, you're being ridiculous. No, the like, what a concept, like real conflict actually happens between friends, like true friends, and then friendship continues after that. Yes, (laughs) that's what life is like. Yeah, like the dropping the taco scene was like so real and so great. And it was like, yeah, I've been there. Can, can we talk about the nonprofit she works at? Because I think there's some oh, incredibly Lord. sly political stuff going on there. Yeah, I've worked at that nonprofit probably before. Uh, <laughs> these, these people do exist. So the nonprofit, most of those actors ha- were in her web series. And in her web series, it was like um, they worked for this company where they had to sell these like gas buster, gut buster pills. 
And so it was also ridiculous because she's really good at the office politics. And I feel like from the web series to this, she's really sharpened on how race and all these off of office politics come together even more. And she's mm-hmm. on point. All the stuff about the clueless white people microaggressions mm-hmm. is absolute gold. Yeah, the white it, people it sending their white emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is gold. And, you know, they're, they're kind of trying, but they kind of don't know what to do. And microaggressions mm-hmm. abound. And, um... Yep. I feel like, yeah, the, the thing about this show is even though... I don't really know where it's going from here as far as a grand story. I want to spend time in those small stories and those small moments with her at work, with her, with her friends. Uh, the bigger group of friends they show in Ep3 is absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like, I just want to be in this world so I don't really mind. Whereas, you know, compare it to divorce, it's time slot partner, and it's just like, oh, God, like, get me out of here. <laughs> get me, yeah, it's like claustrophobic. Yeah. Or, I mean, I was thinking about it. It's like, oh my God, she's building so many worlds in this 30 minute show. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, you're just jumping from world to world to world to world. I mean, she's taking on a lot of storytelling, but I feel like by episode three, it's like, oh, you've got a plan for each of these worlds. And I'm really excited about it. I feel like we need to talk about the show in relationship to girls. And I know that this isn't really a fair comparison because they're really different shows, but let's, let's do the comparison anyway. Um, I have a kind of a hate, hate relationship with girls, except for the last season, which I quite liked, which I thought was really strong, but watching girls, I've always been struck by how unpleasant it is to spend time with these women. Um, and how, how generally sort of annoying they are to a large extent. (laughs) And, and watching Insecure, I really, I feel like I'm just so delighted to spend time with everyone in Insecure. Yeah, I do think that probably the better comparison is to something like A Broad City. But because of the HBO thing, I think we're going to have to compare like every show starring and created by women on HBO to girls for the next like five years, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. I'm just so happy they have jobs. I just feel like <laughs> yeah. this is my main complaint of Transparent. And girls, it's all these people that don't have jobs. And it's like... Yes. As a person who lives in L.A., Issa could afford that apartment on the job she is working, which is like a level of realism (laughs) that we never reach on TV. (laughs) So kudos to everyone involved just for that small detail. And and Molly could afford her high-rise apartment as a lawyer. Yeah. 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 That all makes mm-hmm. sense. I guess part of what I appreciate about this show is that, that people have jobs. People have some sort of focus. They are older. They are, I think, like at least five years older than the women and girls. But there's just something about the fact that they have at least a little bit of their shit together as a mm-hmm. groundwork for the stuff they're still figuring yeah. out. You know, as yeah. opposed to not having anything at all figured out. There was a a moment when the really messy female character was totally in vogue. And what I like more is something like this that can show the reality where, like, you are putting forward a front like you have your whole life together. And maybe you you are capable of having a job and a clean apartment and paying your bills. That doesn't mean you actually have your whole life together. And yeah. all the mess that happens outside of you managing to hold down a nine-to-five 
and wear clean clothes every day. <laughs> like that's that's real life, right? Like that's what real life feels like to me and what I think it feels like to my friends. So it's really refreshing to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that 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 gets at it. And you know, I, I I really like girls, although I would love the version of the show that leaned into the absurdity another twenty percent and I think would then cut off a lot of the criticisms of it, but you know. Again, let me get in my time machine and fix the show. <laughs> I'm just so happy that Issa Rae's show is finally on the air because, yeah, I've been waiting a long time, and I just think she has a perspective we haven't seen before, and I'm excited to live in her world. They've made her wait in development for a long time, oh, so just the ridiculous. fact that it's on the air is like, fucking finally, HBO. Now now keep hiring some more women of color, will you? Because you got a long track record to make up for right and mm-hmm. basically her show in the guild made web series a thing you know and yeah. so yeah it's interesting her and high maintenance you know those are two of the most popular web series ever and, and broad city broad city and yeah. broad city i don't know if it was as popular as a web series though mm-hmm. than uh, misadventures of an awkward black girl it was good mm-hmm. but it was very small and it was very low production <laughs> like uh-huh. some of their true, old true. videos are almost even hard to see what's going on I think they got their angel in Amy Poehler. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. All right. What are your one fabulous things? Well, let me just go ahead and make mine high maintenance because I watched the whole six episodes that have been airing Friday nights on HBO and I just love, loved them. And I thought they were really smart about bringing back old characters from the web series Shannon, you mentioned bringing back actors. Yes. But these are, like, full-fledged characters that are coming back. Yeah, very cool. Just continuing their storylines. It was really fun to see that. And then also to throw in new characters and to build the world of the guy himself. So if you haven't seen this, you know, the the through line is that this marijuana delivery guy, who we only know as the guy, shows up as a bit player in people's other stories and it was really fun to watch him get to be more the core of the story in a couple of the episodes. And I just thought that it was basically a perfect transition to longer form episodes and just super, super well done. Also super refreshing storytelling. I just think they are telling stories in a way that I have not seen. And I think that's why divorce is so jarring to all of us. Cause out of all these shows we're talking about, it feels so stale. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And one of those recurring characters in High Maintenance is Dan Stevens, cross-dressing dad. Oh, the best. Very great character. And there's a whole episode where you learn more about him and some of his, like, work friends. And uh, one of them is played by Amy Ryan. And just watching Dan Stevens and Amy Ryan, like, shoot the shit <laughs> together, I was like, this is amazing. Like... It's one of those shows where you just get the feeling they just called up everybody and everyone was like, yes, you are cool enough that I want to be on your show. I can't wait to watch this season. It's fabulous. Well, another show that I'm watching that I know we've talked about a lot, but the new season is wonderful, is Younger. I love this show. It's just a breath of fresh air. It's just sweet and loving and funny <laughs> This silly premise keeps going. I'm loving the new season, and it's just one of my favorite shows. It's one that I watch when it's on. Like, 
it, it doesn't wait on the DVR until I'm bored on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I watch it immediately. I'm like, ooh, Younger was on. I love that show. It's just, <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like comedy is so mean now, and it's such a sweet comedy. And the yep. way that they keep building out this very small world, but they keep, you know, some of these characters that weren't, didn't have as much screen time in past seasons now have a lot of screen time. I love it. It's just such a great show. I need to watch the show, don't I? Yeah, you yeah. love it. It's so yeah. sweet. And it's Sutton Foster. She's a delight. I love Sutton Foster. It yeah. would be a great binge watch on a rainy day, for sure. It's all about female friendship and love and finding <laughs> your truth. You know, it's great. So I have two fabulous things. The first is this really great trend of uh, doing an entire season of your show with female directors. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Queen Sugar, which is created by Ava DuVernay, is doing this with that series. And in addition, she comes on at the end of every episode to talk about the particular director that was directing that show, really, really amplifying this director's visibility. Um, it's really, it's a great, it's a great thing to do. And appar- apparently Jessica Jones will also have a season two with only women directing. And I just found out that one of the pioneers of this was um, called The Midwife. Season mm-hmm. three yes. had an all-female director slate, which I didn't even realize. So I didn't know that either. Yeah. Oh. Good for you. Isn't that nice? So that's cool. So really getting a lot of women to with their first TV show credits um, and hopefully yes. giving them that break that they need to, to mm-hmm. move forward. So my other fabulous thing is Black Mirror is back. For those of you who don't know what Black Mirror is, it is a series of sometimes disturbing, sometimes fascinating looks at how technology intersects with our lives in usually kind of terrible ways. And uh, I've just watched the first three episodes of the new season. And uh, they are, you know, definitely keeping up the whole disturbing vibe of this show but I think they're also incredibly smart I had to take a break after three episodes because I was kind of like freaking out a little I just I don't know if this show's for me uh (laughs) I didn't really like any of the the first season episodes I guess the one where they like record their everything that you see was pretty good Mm -hmm. I had to turn off this first episode of the first season after 10 minutes the one with Bryce Dallas Howard I thought it was the most annoying thing I'd ever seen (laughs) In my life, I was like, you couldn't pay me to finish this episode. So we'll see if <laughs> I ever for watch everyone. any more of them. Uh, I, I, it's just, talk about hitting you over the head with a theme. Jesus Christ, I get it. We look at our phones too much. End of show. <laughs> well, look, the first one is all about that kind of thing. But there's also a, an appearance by Cherry Jones, who I think is one of the great actresses and she has such a great role in this particular episode which is about how every single person is rated sort of publicly rated on a five-star basis um and cherry jones shows up with a you know this incredibly low rating actually and uh, talks some sense into the world but um that's not that wasn't my favorite episode so far my favorite is the second episode where this guy gets recruited to test out uh, a very immersive horror video game with predictably bad results so i heard episode four is really good i don't know yes yes i have heard four is good too and four is i'm told less depressing than the other episodes so we'll see (laughs) anyway 
<laughs> I I personally really like this series. I'm kind of fascinated by it, and uh, I'm excited that it's back. Oh, thank you for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby Life After Downton. You can still find us on Twitter at Downton Gabby, where we will be posting various links, live tweeting award shows, and all of that for the foreseeable future. You can find us at downtongabby.tumblr.com, which is also the easiest place to find all of the back episodes as well as on iTunes. And you can find us by searching Facebook for Downton Gabby. I might have had a sidekick with a funny name Running wild through the hills Chasing Jesse James Ending up on the brink of danger Riding shotgun for the Texas Rangers No rest, young man Haven't you been told California's full of whiskey Women and ghosts sleeping out all night Beneath the desert stars With a dream in my eye and a prayer In my heart I should have been a cowboy I should have learned to rope Just like Gene and Roy singing those campfire songs. Oh, I should have been a cowboy. Shannon, are you still there? I am. I just, I have, I don't have anything to say. (laughs) You just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care.